Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Jetpacks are overrated. Welcome to another Jetpacks Are Overrated. I'm Seamus Byrne. I kind of really hate it when things always come back to Facebook sometimes. But here we are with the social network threatening to remove all news, local and global, from the feeds of all Australian users if the draft news media bargaining code gets legislated. My feelings about Facebook are pretty well known around here, but I can see why Facebook actually feels that the scorched earth option is its only option. I feel like it's a more honest and direct approach than what Google's effort has been doing to kind of sow a general fear about the risk of free services without any clear sense of what exactly they're threatening to take away. Of course, Facebook and Google have zero interest in setting precedents here. We're a small country when all is said and done. Europe hasn't done any better, and the track record on Google is that traffic losses have hurt media businesses. Here in 2020, there's been some progress on news organizations building digital subscription models pretty well over recent years, so perhaps there's a little more buffer now to weather a storm if the tech giants, as everyone loves to keep calling them, Pull that rug out. But I kind of think that this whole bargaining code really misses the big issue. The media was beaten by the most amazing advertising engines ever devised. Micro-targeted, instantly available ad networks at the scale of billions. Scale won the war for marketing dollars. But they also somehow avoided almost every level of regulation and oversight that traditional advertising is required to uphold. That super ad engine has been built on creating deeply targeted user data that was in no small part based on the metadata that it was able to build thanks to Facebook integrations and categorizations by media companies on their pages and in the sharing of articles that came from really well-breadcrumbed news media sections. Same for Google. Our participation in using a Google account and allowing Google to refine its search based on our historic preferences also means the news we click on has helped to refine its ad engine. Publishers have been building, have been a building block, but you could remove them from the foundations at this point and probably make not much difference to how well-targeted all of our profiles will be in the future. 
We all consented to give our data to these companies in exchange for free services. And we also grasped that free means ads. And over time, many people have kind of grown uncomfortable with how freakishly accurate the ads come to be. I think the most egregious problem is the one of uninformed consent on how our data was acquired and profiled. The lack of plain language explanations for how our data would be tracked across the web. That our devices would be fingerprinted so that even when we are not logged in, we could still be tracked. And even if we've never created an account, these digital fingerprints would still profile us. This kind of data monitoring and data mining should have clear regulations around it, but it has nothing of the sort. The digital world was a wild west and mega corporations were built in a way that embraced that lawlessness until they got big enough to make sure that the laws were only ever written to suit their interests. But we all deserve so much more. The GDPR tracking rules in Europe were a positive step forward. But the implementations are often intentionally confusing to encourage us all to just click accept and be done with it. It's proving hard to put that data genie back in the bottle. So what about the way that the ads are sold? Automated advertising at scale is used every single day to spread lies and scams most untrained eyes can kind of tell instantly which ads are the scams. I'm confident Koshi and Chris Hemsworth aren't spruiking weird cryptocurrency opportunities on purpose. But when questions are raised with Google over these scam ads being an eternal problem, they just shrug and say, oh, it's, it's really hard to stop them from appearing. An Australian journalist James Croft recently produced a brilliant Twitter thread that showed how Google has gone out of its way to make it incredibly difficult to actually report scam ads. So much so that if you choose the option to report a scam, it will actually lead you to a dead end. No, you have to practically read Google's mind to find the right choose-your-own-adventure process to get to the actual reporting mechanism. And that just should not be okay. This should be the easy part. Simple user reporting to help the whack-a-mole get done. But why is it even only after, you know, only ever after the fact that this process gets dealt with? Why aren't Facebook and Google actually held accountable for every dodgy ad placed on their networks? Facebook and Google should not just get to wave their hands and say, but you know, it's too big for us to look at every ad. And indeed, the lack of regulation is why their ads are so cheap. And the ads are a huge part of the damage that's been done to civilized discourse. If these ad systems were properly regulated and they were forced to have large-scale human advertising management teams to appropriately approve ads across their sites and apps, then it might just be that the other traditional media sales teams have some chance against that. Ads used to be about the quality of engagement and the quality of the audiences being reached. That idea was devolved into micro-targeting at scale and advertisement space at scale, whether or not it's on a great website or whether it's on some dodgy click farming website. But the marketers love scale. And so do the scammers. They want that scale. So do the liars. So do the cheats. It's not just the media companies losing money. 
Aussies are losing millions to scams every year. Scams that pay to advertise on search engines and social networks because they earn more than they spend. And the current regulations mean that Facebook and Google can treat these thieves as customers until they're forced into accountability. And that's not even getting into the question of micro-targeted political and cultural messages and the lack of visibility or oversight. When ads are micro-targeted, it's very hard to even know who is trying to market something and who they're targeting when they do. But all of this has been made possible because we gave them our personal data for free. This Australian news media bargaining code is a band-aid trying to fix an ulcer. It might make a few people feel like they're doing something, but it serves a few big players and does little to solve the issues of the future of media business models. And nor does it deal with the power that these platforms have over what we see, when we see it, and how our habits attract to target us in ever more granular ways. I'm Seamus Byrne. This has been Jetpacks Are Overrated, part of the Biteside Podcast Network. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.